Welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. We help you stay happy, healthy, and whole so your small business can thrive and stay vital in this ever-changing world with holistic coaches and small business owners, Jill and Dan. Hello, and welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. I'm Jill, and I'm here with my podcasting partner, Daniel. Hello, Jill, and hello, everyone. Uh, hello, everyone. And today we have got a very special guest. We always like it when we get a guest on, don't we, Dan? Because um, it stops us from talking. But um, <laughs> today's guest is called Louise Ray, and she is an aromatherapist and a arts practitioner. And I've known Lou for a very long time and um and I first met Lou about seven years ago when she was a Neil's Yard consultant and she was really the first one who introduced me to all of the organic kind of way of skincare like having suffered from skin problems for all my life I hadn't really considered that there was an alternative view and Lou was one of the people who pointed me in that direction that yeah there is other things that you can do apart from what the the chemicals that the doctors are giving you and that was really when I set out on my journey with the organic skincare stuff and Lou's really knowledgeable she's a fully qualified aromatherapist she's like the organic woman and (laughs) it's like the bionic man the organic woman so without further ado here's our interview with Lou Today we are joined by Lou Ray, who is an aromatherapist and a arts practitioner. And I first met Lou um, about six or seven years ago when she was a Neil's Yard consultant. So welcome, Lou, to our podcast. Thank you for coming on. Um, do you just want to give a little introduction about yourself and uh, for our listeners so that they know who you are and what you do? Well, I'm Lou. Yes, we met some time ago when I started with Neil's Yard and I've probably been with them as a consultant for about eight years. And I guess apart from having a bath in geranium that my friend did when I was about 18 and really stressed, that was kind of me sort of forays into, I guess, aromatherapy and natural health and basically starting a big journey, really, top to toe, toxin free, outside the home, in the home. And I think obviously it'll be a never ending journey, really, because, you know, you don't always see things initially. And a lot of things are hidden under certain words. So it takes a while to unravel what actually is good for you and what isn't. And if you've got a family like I have, two young kids, things, you know, as, as you have kids, things become a bit more apparent. Like, you know, if, if your kid has asthma, like my daughter has asthma, harsh chemicals in the house were like, ooh, that's not a good thing. So that was kind of my initial kind of foray. I, I work as an arts practitioner within sort of a, a residential settings and the Neil's Yard stuff started to filter into that. So it's a family run business. So I went to Peter and asked, actually, I'm working with people who are living with dementia in a EMI, which is kind of like lockdown uh, residential settings where people have no access to multi-sensory things like smells, tastes, sounds. So instead of we would bring things into them like hand massage or we work with a year six project and, and get the kids to become dementia friends. And and I'd said to Peter, who who runs Neil's Yard, I'm already working with oils like Melissa, which is fantastic for uplifting, brilliant for dementia. 
And if you go to Dilston Physic Garden, you can read all about the PubMed journals, the, the neuroscientist, Professor William Perry, who's the curator of the garden. So I'm already doing all this stuff. It's having a massive effect. I really think you should come on board with the project. I can do some little bits of film and stuff and feed it back to you. And then I gave him a 12 page document with all the kind of oils that I thought would be of interest and give them the due two days later. Do you want everything on your list? And mm, yeah, so a load of diffusers, a load of like Melissa hand creams came and so they've supported the project. So it's filtered into the different things that I do so much so that I got so much into aromatherapy. I trained as, a, as an aromatherapist and holistic therapist. And I work now, I guess, sort of disseminating that information out in workshops and teaching people how to go sort of toxin free with DIY recipes basically, um, so they can kind of get on board and and start their journey, empowering them with kind of looking at, okay, so what does that mean? It says parfum. What's hidden under the word parfum? Mm. You know, uh, what does it mean organic? You know, and just start to help them to start to unpick things. And, and actually you find that the workshops are great fun. And for, in terms of smells and stuff, I'm like, that's a journey for the rest of my life, really. Does that give you a bit of a potted insight to where I am? Yes, definitely. It's really interesting that you've gone on that journey and you started off working with uh, dementia people um, suffering from dementia. So how does the oils and things, because I know that I'm a big fan of the oils on this podcast, I'm always talking about them. How does that really help people with um, and mental health issues as well, isn't it? When you inhale an oil, it goes into that uh, limbic system in your brain, like passes the blood brain barrier. And it's it's what can be the area known as flight or fight but it's also where emotions and memories are stored so you can inhale something and get an effect quite quickly in terms of how it responds in your body you know if you rub garlic on your feet that's another great nerve ending after a little bit of time you'll taste it on your tongue and that's where a different way that essential oils get into the system through the bloodstream so they can get in topically they can get in through the inhalation and I guess I was kind of interested in in the impact that that would have with people. And also, you know, things like touch. If you're older, maybe you don't have a partner anymore, that, that sense of touch. So teaching kids how to um, do hand massage, looking at reflexology points and looking at oils that are specific to people. So some people, like say you, Jill, you might love the smell of like your citruses, whereas Dan might like more... Well, you might like more florals. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's very bespoke. So mm. our body can naturally respond and go, mm, don't like that oil. That's a positive thing for me. That's like, right, okay, that probably one isn't, isn't going to work so well with you. Mm-hmm. I don't know, does that answer your question? I'm not, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. So like smell, I always think is the most evocative of the senses, isn't it? Is that what you you find with your patients? That, you know, that triggers that memory thing, isn't it? To be clear, it's not about reminiscence. Mm. It's about bringing people into the present and helping them live well at that point in time, you know, with their diagnosis of dementia. It's not about bringing somebody back because personal experiences for me with, with family, you cannot bring somebody back and actually exacerbates them more and it gets them more upset that they can't remember certain things. Mm. So for us, the project is about living in the moment and living well in the moment so not about reminiscence about being creative in the time that you have and achieving something and 
it gives it a quite a enriched experience if it's a, a range of senses. So if it's smell, if it's taste, if it's touch, and it's very much kind of, you know, like a, internal remedies are just as important. So, you know, you could do a nice tea with people or you can make something creative. Like we work with different sets of apps in the iPad so that they're aligned to certain stages of where you are within dementia. So why do you think that, from your perspective as well, why do you think it's really important to be toxic free? I guess there's, there's, there's not really a lot of information on what they call the toxic load or um, it can also be known as sort of a bioaccumulation of toxins in your body. So if you thought day to day, which is kind of one of the reasons why I did a workshop, I have like a, a workshop that I run at um, Washington Arts Centre and um, they come in and every week we try something new. And I started doing like a top to toe. So you look at, you start looking at what you put on your hair. And like when you look at the ingredients, like going back to saying anything can be hidden under the word parfum. So some major horrid chemicals can be written or hidden, shall we say. And as you go through that process, okay, so what's in toothpaste? In terms of like shower gels, it's something that lathers actually doesn't make you clean. It's a similar thing like with your laundry, you know, if it lathers and it smells nice, it doesn't actually make your clothes clean. In actual fact, it has an opposite effect if you're using like fabric conditioners because they layer with like a waxy coating over the clothing so I started to kind of unpick top to toe things that you could use um things that you could use aromatherapy wise like say mouth washes and then creams and things for your face and for your body and things that you can bathe in and then we kind of went into a foray of looking around the house and thinking jeepers my fella is really good at coming home with a one pound spray bottle that he's got from somewhere and it's like it's it's he's chuffed that he's, he's got that and I'm like and I look at the back of it and I look at the hazard warnings and they're not there for like no reason and I'm like oh one spray one spray in the house and I'm like oh, I can't breathe I can't breathe for me I, yes I'll em- em- empty the bottle and I'll put stuff in like castile soap and essential oils um and and possibly vinegar to make a spray that it's better to use and it won't set my daughter's asthma off and it doesn't have the house stinking. So I don't have to open the windows to get rid of a horrendous smell, which is supposed to be cleaning. Yeah. Just as a quick aside, you've just reminded me of something. You know how we've been in lockdown all this time? I've forgotten that other people smell <laughs> with their perfumes. And I was in the shop the other day and this guy had really strong aftershave on and it started to make me feel sick. Because I just haven't like been that close to people for ages. That's one their... of my pet peeves, I must admit, when people put too much aftershave or, or perfume on. Yeah. And I think once you start to use less toxic aromatherapy options like deodorants and aftershaves and use alternatives, do you find that you become more sensitive to the harsh stuff? That's what I find, definitely. And you can you can notice it a lot quicker as well. Yeah, and I, and I think when you start to do a bit of research in, in like especially perfumes, they're kind of made with sort of plasticizers that don't go through the true art of a perfume. So they layer like a plastic coating on your skin. So it smells the same on you as it smells on somebody else. Deodorants is a whole other ball game when you look into parabens and Kingston University did a, what did, oh, I've forgotten what the word is. You know, when Study. you do, that's the word. Sometimes. Sounds used to me losing all my words all the time. <laughs> Yeah, they did a study and found parabens in breast cancer tissue. And, you know, if, if you're 
unfortunate enough to go through breast cancer, one of the big things when, when you come out of it, there's all say, don't use an aluminium deodorant, don't use an antiperspirant, things that have got aluminium salts in there. I mean, things like aluminium, they block the pores. So it's deodorizing in terms of the fact that it's just blocking your skin, which your body's meant to sweat. So instead of antiperspiring, you know, you need to put something on that just gently deodorizes. So some, you know, you can, I mean, again, you can make your own, but what you will find is if when you make that change over, this, you, you, because you've blocked your skin for a while, it's going to detox and you're going to have two or three weeks of smelling a bit rich, mm. not in a nice way because of your, your, de- your detoxing those kind of channels that that's what they're there for. Mm. You know, those areas. So smells wise, I, I am. And I, I think probably probably what I'm most aware of is people's clothes, how people's clothes smell when they waft past. I think in my head how much stuff, how much stuff they would have put in the washing machine. Mm. Jackie just clogs up the washing machine and b- builds more mold. Mm. The must have put on to have that really strong fragrance. Yeah, it's like um, the like detergents and stuff, like you were saying about your husband buying the palm bottles, like they stink, don't they? They're really strong smelling. And there's that kind of uh, bleach that everyone's using nowadays. And it's like perfume, so strong. It just to me, it just makes me itch, makes me want to itch. <laughs> so I will have moments in the house where, you know, like I'll clean things with like, say, like if I'm cleaning the windows, like I'll, I'll do like maybe one part vinegar, one part, like white distilled vinegar one part water and if if it's a bit grimy from me dogs snuffling against the windows I'll maybe put a little bit of alcohol a bit of vodka in there because that kind of gets the, the grime away mm-hmm. so there are areas in the house that I'll go I, I use my I make my own little bath bombs bath with bombs, bicarb yeah. and citric mm-hmm. acid and a bit of essential oil and I make them for the toilet as well so I make oh, little okay. toilet bombs and I'll, mm-hmm. and I'll make like little you know my own mouthwash just with a little bit of salt and water. And if I want to kind of, let's say, emulsify some essential oils in, I'll use something like a, a base, which would be probably vodka because it, it it carries it better because oil and water don't mix. Mm. And you need something to kind of step into it to help it mix together. So like, you know, if you were making a room fragrance, you would you would put your drops of oil into alcohol. Vodka tends to be the best because it has no fragrance. Mm. and then give it a bit of a stir and then you would add your distilled kind of water to it give it a little shake and try as a, as a room fragrance so I mean it's a, it's a, it's a long journey you know mm. I've probably been on it sort of eight to ten years and you know I'm, I'm still going to be on it like kind of in my 80s and stuff with different kind of recipes and saving this and if there's the end of the a lemon I'll use it to clean my uh, chopping board with a bit of salt on it you know mm. or you know there's there's loads of different kind of little techniques and stuff that I've like I've started to pull and and gleam from different areas and bleach is another one with horrendous you know what what it sends out into the into the sea you don't yeah. need to use it you know you can use like uh, the thing with the thing with when you start getting into sort of like, I guess green cleaning you've got to have a bit of a safety mind in a way like sort of not mixing natural ingredients with kind of conventional so um, not mixing bleach with like say vinegar because that would give off a major kind of chlorine gas and that would be really bad for your lungs and eyes and you know so it's it's mm. getting a few books and maybe doing a bit of research or I do kind of online workshops and reading a little bit about it first 
before you started making up your yeah. concoctions because you know you may have animals in the house tea tree is well known for like um being a great cleanser but it's toxic to cats so it's just doing a bit of um doing a bit of research first you know if you were pregnant and you're using something like rosemary or certain oils that are cleansing that's probably not a good idea at mm-hmm. all um so it, it's doing a bit of research first maybe getting a book and thinking right okay like what what can i try first I tend to think kind of things like bicarb. I get them in massive sacks now because I use it for loads of things. I'll use it for my laundry. I'll use it for cleaning the bath. And then I'll use it for making bombs and not real bombs. (laughs) (laughs) They're trying to get us banned on this podcast. Uh, yeah so, so so yeah oh lost me train of thought no. <laughs> I love the idea of a toilet bomb so just tell us how you would make that with you do you need a mold or something or you can or you can just use I use um I've, I've found the ones that make the bombs a little bit faffy to be fair mm-hmm. so I use um I make my own soap so I use the the soap molds and I just kind of press it into that. So you can use like um, a certain amount of uh, bicarb and then you have a less amount of citric acid mm-hmm. and you want something like a hydrolat or uh, to blend it together. And to do that, you need probably a spritzer bottle to clump it because you don't want it to start forming. You just want it to start getting slightly damp so you can start and compact it. And I'll probably put my essential oil within that as well, mix it around mm. and then I'll compact it into my little soap tray uh things and i i make me nice little kind of little soaps bombs that way cool so we've covered the windows vinegar and what else did you say vodka vinegar and vodka (laughs) a little bit of vodka for grime Uh you know you could you could do a really good like a really basic cleaning spray is equal parts water and vinegar so white not use brown vinegar because it will stain malt vinegar (laughs) and never use vinegar on like granite surfaces because you'll you'll knacker that so you Mm -hmm. need you use like more of a sort of a glycerin and castile soap kind of and water base to clean that but other kind of surfaces you know one part vinegar one part or half, you know, a cup of vinegar, a cup of boiled water. It was interesting when you mentioned the Castile soap there, because in the last year or so, I've started using the Dr. Bronner's body wash, mm. and that's based on Castile soap. And I find that's so much better than, like you say, the cheap one pound body wash links or stuff like that. And the Dr. Bronner is quite expensive, but for me, it's, and I've had a few people as well recommend them, it, and it's made the skin like a lot better. But it's softer, it's vegetable based and in your skin, you know, the Dr. Brown stuff's organic, isn't it? So you, it's yeah. it's not it's not got pesticides in it, so it's not got harsh chemicals. Your skin can process vegetable based ingredients like Castile soap can come from coconut. It, it can process it better. When it's something like liquid paraffin putting on your skin, it can't process it as easily. It struggles yeah. more the body to, to process. So vegetable-based stuff is is always going to be better. Is that the the always, when you read about the dangers of commercial toxic deodorants and body washes, the most common one normally is that sodium lauryl sulfate. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah. Is that the, what's the dangers there and why is it used? It's a foaming agent. Is it just the harshness of the chemical, essentially? It's, It's a type of surfactant. And again, I think your body doesn't process it very well. It's like going back to that thing of saying, oh, actually, foaming doesn't clean your body. 
it's there for marketing, isn't it? Like to, like toothpaste, it forms up. It was a it was a marketing ploy, wasn't it? To make mm. it seem as though it's doing something. It's the way body wash forms up. It's it seems as though it's working more effectively. But really, if you get a toothpaste, like I use one called Earth Paste, and it's like clear based and there's it doesn't form up. But the first time you use it, it seems really strange because you've been conditioned to think that that's what cleans your teeth. But really, it's just marketing and it's something that it almost tricks you into believing that it's doing the job. There's a, there's, I mean, if you look at the, if you want to get into your ingredients, there's a really good um, foundation called the David Suzuki Foundation. And if you look at things like that, or if you type in the Dirty Dozen, that, that, that'll give you like kind of a, the, a really kind of good up-to-date a list of things that you want to be avoiding like triclosan that used to be in toothpaste and is in a lot of toothpastes that's not great for you phthalates things anything that's got kind of silicon in it they're plasticizers so hair products synthetic fragrances again that's all hidden under the word parfum mineral oil look out for liquid paraffin yeah i've said triclosan parabens edta is another one that that's a, a metal ion chelator. So, so it strips the impurities from products and balances the formulation to help prevent it from spoiling. But our bodies don't process it very well. MEA and DEA derivatives, they're types of surfactants. None of these sound very nice. I always think don't put on your skin what you wouldn't put in your mouth. Intuitively saying those words, that they don't sound like something you would want <laughs> in your body. To, you, you can't even pronounce them. They sound that industrial. Well, when you look at one, there's I think there's one called uh, it's called MI, and it's it's a massive long name, and loads of people have had like major reactions to it. You can't even pronounce it, and that you know, it's like pesticides, you know, and and how they affect bees, you know. So like if a bee's been on a on a plant that's loaded with stuff, it's so drunk, it can't navigate its way home. So. It's no wonder we're like we've lost, I don't know, over 50% of the of the bee species just mm. in this country, like 95, I think it's like 97% of wildflower meadows have been lost over the last, I don't know, 70 years. There is certain things that you can go, mm, I could avoid that, actually. I don't need to use that. Yeah, definitely. I, I could say a big hair dye is a big no for me <laughs> and um all of the stuff that you get to put on your hair i just use um aloe vera gel now and that, that does us as a kind of hair gel and coconut oil is a fantastic conditioner yeah you have to remember to sort of you know if you do like a mask with that if you dry shampoo afterwards which just kind of means you need to put a bit of shampoo on to break down the oil otherwise it's just going to end like a like a real lank mess um, so you need to kind of put shampoo on first to break down after you've done that kind of treatment and then wash it and then your hair's great after that you know and it's great for kind of the dandruff and coconut yeah. oil is another fantastic one that you use that I use in kind of uh, cleaning products that you, I might mix with say a bit of vegetable glycerol yeah and bicarb and a bit of essential oil mix some lovely kind of citrus in there you've got a great kind of cleaner scrub that you can clean your bath and uh, sinks and stuff out with. Would you say it's more of a, a problem with women than men? Just when Jill said with your, the hair products, I would imagine women use a lot more, obviously, makeup, things in the hair, and they tend to have more of a skin routine, don't they, as well? And if they're using commercial toxic stuff, have you found that it's more of a, there's kind of more bad health effects with women, or do you see it across the board? 
I think if you look at how much lipstick a woman digests in a lifetime and the stuff that's put into lipstick, if you look at the, the harmful ingredients, so like eyeliners and again, I would probably just follow the precautionary principle of like, you know, get something that's organic. And to be fair, I don't wear makeup or I'll find a um, mascara that's like oil based. It's not going to be a waterproof. I want something that's kind of going to nourish. And I think guys are getting better, to be fair. The guy, yeah. they might not admit it so much and their wives might push them or the girlfriends might push them towards it. But I think guys are getting better with skincare. Go, one of my daughter's favourite is like James Charles. And she's just, you know, she watches so much of the makeup stuff, but she knows at the age of 10, she needs to kind of protect her skin before she puts a load of, I don't like it, but she puts a load of crap on. But that's, you know, that's part of our age. But as long as she's putting something protective on. Yeah. I think it was from you, Louise, that I learned the, um, you know, that don't throw your whole makeup bag out. Just each time that you buy something new, just replace it with something that's um, more organic and more natural rather than everyone just chucking out all the cleaning products and all of their (laughs) their makeup. Just a gradual, like, kind of working of the whole organic stuff, really, isn't it? Yeah. And it can be, it can be you start you start in certain areas, like it might be your kitchen cupboard you might have a look at, or it might be your it might be your bathroom cabinet that you look at and think, yeah, when I finish that, I might not, I might make my own or I might get another one, which is and have a little bit of a Google and see which ones are the kind of the best. I mean, try and go for an organic brand if you can, because then you know it doesn't have pesticides in it. So that's not being reduced. It's like essential oils, you know, I would never use, an, an, unless it was fair wild, I, I'd never use an oil that wasn't essential because the plant matter is so being reduced, reduced, reduced. And if you've got pesticides sprayed all over that, I think it's just, well, what was the point of that? You, you, yeah. Everything that's in the plant's essence is um, you just, you, you, you're modifying it. It's like genetically modified food crops. When I look mm. at some of the most beautiful photographs of when you look at um, under a microscope of organic vegetables or fruits and, and how amazing this plant-like structure is at a, under a microscope, when you compare it to stuff that's been genetically modified, it's very interesting, the difference. Mm. And uh, Niels Yard did a study with um, uh, Newcastle University on measuring the phytonutrients in organic vegetables as opposed to non-organic and they measured that the phyto what you know what you the nutrient that you get out of it and if you were looking at your kind of ten a day I guess if I was distilling what was the word you said before Jill it's study yeah study. If I was distilling the study it's kind of like you know you, you you'd have to eat 12 vegetables of non-organic to get the same phytonutrients of maybe five or six of you know in your handful kind of portions mm. So for me, like I'll go, I mean, I might, I might seem like I'm going around the houses, but I'll go to Aldi. Aldi do organic mushrooms. They do organic carrots and, and I'll get me certain bits of organic there. Then I'll nip over. It sounds really bad, but I'll nip <laughs> over to uh, Lidl and I'll get me organic tomatoes and apples because things that have got skins on are the main kind of fruits that really hold the pesticide in. And that's what people are putting into their mouth straight away. And if you can't afford to do that, you can clean it with vinegar and that'll break the pesticides off. But I do like a little round robin of all the shops, get my, as much organic as I can if I can't grow it. And then at least I know 
because because at the end of the day it's about making a difference to my life but also to my children's and also to the planets as as I go through my life mm. um, and and I don't want them having stuff that half the time doesn't taste as good but you know that that's just that's just me and my journey you well, know I'm kind of 10 years amen we're on the same hymn sheet aren't we all Dan <laughs> yeah we talk about this thing all the time if it's if it's on your skin it's just as it's going to do just as much damage if it's if you're putting it into your body so if you can get organic skin products as well as organic food we literally mention every episode you are what you eat but if you think you mentioned the statistic there on the amount of makeup and lipstick you and women ingest on a yearly basis or over a lifetime you would never imagine trying to eat that in one sitting and he he gave that to someone said this is what you're going to have in a year they would never believe it would they I think it's about seven pounds in a woman's lifetime and it's about three pounds in a man's because they obviously they're getting a bit of it as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And imagine what that's doing to your liver. <laughs> and just, no. just going back a bit, it was interesting when you said you take an organic piece of fruit or a vegetable, which might go into an essential oil or an organic spray or something. When you said you, you look at them under a microscope and you can see these beautiful kind of symmetrical shapes and you can mm. tell how vibrant they are. There's another thing you can look at. It's called Kalian or Kirlian photography. photography. Yeah. So if people listen, just want to Google that. And then you can literally kind of, you can see the energy. They've actually photographed the energy coming off organic matter as opposed to non-organic matter. And it's some crazy technological camera where you can actually see the light and the vibrancy coming off it. So it's not just kind of woo-woo hippie stuff like there's actual scientific evidence which shows there's actually an energy coming from these things so what do you think is going to happen when you put it into your body or on your skin it's going to make you feel good as opposed to the other stuff exactly and and it gives you the energy doesn't it yeah indeed so just to sum things up uh lou what's the what's your top tips for things our listeners can do like quite easily let's say um in their houses is anything that they can quickly replace in their makeup bags their houses their cleaning cupboards anything like that i think if they started with just a cleaning spray that would be a great start just yeah they use up the uh the old squeeze squirty bottle and then put get some distilled white distilled vinegar one part vinegar to one part water and try that out if they want to buy a bit of bicarb mix that with maybe a bit of castile soap or you know just to kind of get a bit of an abrasive quality try that cleaning the bath mm-hmm. um, and I think you know you, you're never going to be able to do it all in one go and I wouldn't stress out about doing that I would just do like look at it a bit at a time so when you have a bit of time and you're brushing your teeth uh, have a little look at what's what's in the ingredients you know when you see the adverts of like stuff that um don't have make sure that the cap's really locked so that the children don't get a hold of the washing powder the tablets I think why are they doing that advert something major has happened for them to have <laughs> to think that they've got to do that advert because the kid's got a hold of something do you know what I mean I yeah. just like think okay take it a step at a time have a look at certain areas in your house that you think mm, I could change that maybe or you know have a little look at DIY recipes online thieves is a great recipe um, where you mix essential oils like um, uh, you know, like kind of cloves and your cinnamons and and it was it was a, it was a recipe that was used by perfumers who went who ended up being sort of grey brothers in the times of the plague, and that's why they were called it was called thieves recipe. I make all my own thieves oil. I've got the whole county addicted to it. Yeah. <laughs> 
so you know right. i think a bit a bit at a time and you know and if you if you want to kind of learn more um i'm sure jill probably put a link to me and stuff that i do um yeah indeed that's what i was gonna that was gonna be our last question actually where can our listeners find out more about you lou and um maybe sign up for one of your workshops well um can I get, because it's a bit verbal to say it, can I give you a link and you can put something? Yeah, yeah, we'll put it in the show notes, absolutely. And I've got an aromatherapy workshop block starting in in two weeks' time where I send out little kits of like little oils and we work through, it's a bit like sort of the DIY stuff. Um, and they learn, and it, this that's all about kind of spring cleaning um, within the house, but also kind of things that you can use for your body. And I will be hopefully opening in April uh, in terms of therapies in um in a in a therapy salon in East Bolden, which is all it's going to be called Holistic Haven, and that's all going to be um organic treatments. And so I, I'll be doing aromatherapy, massage, holistic facials, things like that. You know, treatments. Fabulous, sounds good. And you'll have to come over to my studio again when we can when we get let out. And we'll do better. Do workshop. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for coming along, Lou. It's been lovely to talk to you. Like we say, we'll put a a link in the show notes for where you can find out more. Yeah, I hope that you've got some top tips. Do let us know. And if again, if you want to have a a chat with Lou, and then I'm sure you'll be able to pick up some messages and answer any questions. Love to. Great. Thanks, Lou. Fabulous. Thank you. Okay, Dan. Yay, that was good, wasn't it? It's it's always good to hear. Um, I know that like what Lou said was a lot of the stuff that we say as well, and it's always good to hear it from another perspective. That it's not just us that think this, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and we didn't kind of pay Lou to say all the things that we normally say either. She did just say that <laughs> off her own back. Things like try and bridge the gap a little bit. Don't just chuck out your whole empty your cupboards and replace it with everything organic. When something runs out, just replace it with something organic, and she kind of mentioned it's if it's on your skin it's just as harmful as if you were eating it as well so yeah she just kind of reaffirmed a lot of the things what we say so it's nice to hear that and it's interesting I didn't realize because I've never met Lou before that she was working with dementia and, and things like that these are these are big issues which again if you can we mentioned just moving the needle just a little bit and a little bit of aromatherapy or organic skincare can kind of help that then by all means give it a whirl Indeed. So, it, yeah, like you say, it's interesting to hear how other people use stuff like this. I mean, we talk about it and we use it all the time. We live this life as well, but how it has practical uses in the wider community as well. Like, There's lots of people who don't want to put chemicals in. And when you actually start thinking about it, looking around at how much stuff, you know, that windoline or whatever it is that you spray on your windows and you miss the sheen on you how many chemicals and the load that you're putting on your body you know we've I guess over the last year with the whole virus thing we've heard about viral loading and it's the same kind of thing isn't it toxicity loading and your body can only build up so much resistance to this kind of stuff and it, something's got to give and if you can start making just a few small changes here and there to things that that maybe hadn't really thought of then that's going to make a massive difference and all of that stuff's then not getting wiped into the the water into the air and all over the place so the little changes that you can make will make a massive difference to the planet yeah and she mentioned the the bee population as well which is really interesting that's a huge controversial topic Mm. if the bee population dies then ultimately some people predict that the human population dies so that might seem a bit overly dramatic but you can if you research a little bit you can join the dots 
she gives some good information about things to look for, like parabens. So if you just want to do your own online searches on things like sodium lauryl sulfate, she gave a few suggestions. We always say, don't take our word for it. Go in, do the research yourself, and you're sure that we're not just weird hippies doing all this organic stuff. The information is out there. And I think that was one of the biggest takeaways from listening to Lou is just start to just look at things a little bit deeper, even just turn the bottle or the can around and just look at the ingredients. And if you kind of pronounce some of them ingredients, why would you put it on your skin? And you put these things in sensitive areas, like under your arms. It's not good putting it anywhere in your body, but under your arms, it, is it linked to the lymph nodes? I think it is. And that can transfer things around your body mm-hmm. a lot quicker. So yeah, just have a look at the ingredients and if you kind of pronounce them or just you get a good feeling that this cannot be good, then yeah, I would say trust your instinct and look at something a little bit more organic and healthier for you. Yeah. And once you go down that route, like I was saying about the smell of people, <laughs> like really strong perfumes and aftershaves and stuff, you can't go back because like you just, under- it doesn't feel right to go back to it, does it? You know? So once you start off down this path, there is no return. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same, I, like I mentioned in the podcast, that really strong perfume smell. And I think Lou mentioned she notices like washing powder, like detergent smell. Once you do start using kind of gentler, more organic, natural stuff, yeah, the, the other stuff seems even more harsher. You can even start almost start to have reactions like headaches against it if you're in a it's room just, with someone for, for too long. Yeah. 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 So it's not just, we're not just making this up. It does, um, it does exist. And there's some people who are born with kind of, um, with intolerances and reactions to these strong chemicals and half the time you don't even know what it is because like Lou said is it the word parfum that's just linked and there's millions of ingredients under that label yeah so it should be almost illegal to do that but yeah we could we could go down a rabbit hole with that one but yeah just like I say a big takeaway is just look at the ingredients look at what they are and remember if it's on your skin it's almost as harmful as just as eating it so indeed indeed right well good one Dan Another one in the bag. Yeah, thanks everyone. Hopefully you've got a few big takeaways from that. And like we said, if it just helps you move the needle a little bit, then it's worth doing. But take your time and just be a little bit more conscious of what you're putting on your skin. Yes. And um, don't forget, if you've enjoyed this podcast today, please subscribe. We are on Spotify. Um, Oh, I discovered today that if you say, Alexa, play the Small Business Whole Health podcast, Alexa will play it for you as well. And Dan's discovered his Google device will as well once it gets used to your accent. Yeah. You've probably just set everyone's uh, Alexas off now in the background. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) there are no excuses. We are everywhere now. So thank you for listening. And if you've enjoyed this, don't forget to leave us a five-star review. And if you didn't enjoy it, just let us know. And don't leave a review because that's just putting negativity out in the world, isn't it? Yeah. We'll just ignore you anyway and block you. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. release a new content every Monday. So whether you listen on Spotify, like Jill said, on iTunes, Amazon, it's all there. Remember, like and subscribe, and we'll see you again soon. Bye.